This is the Magic Word Podcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the Magic Word Podcast.com. This week, we are brought to you again by the Friends of the Magic Word. I want to thank a couple of people who have actually continued to renew their pledges. They have been Friends of the Magic Word for a long time, and that's Charles Morgan and also Bruce Lish. Thank you guys very much for renewing your pledges on Patreon.com. Your financial support helps us keep going from week to week. For anyone else who would like to know more about that, go to the website. All the information is there. It's the holiday gift-giving time, and so we would appreciate your gifts of financial pledges and donations if you can make it. And speaking of the holidays, there are a few people who would like to share their holiday greetings with you. I had requested uh, that anybody who wanted to share holiday greetings to go to the website at themagicwordpodcast.com, and there'll be a logo there. It says Speak Pipe, and you can click on that, leave a message. And there were three people who had done that, so I want to share their messages. First, we get to hear from our friend Gene Protus. This is Gene Protus from Houston, Texas. And I'd like to wish a happy holiday season to all of my friends that listen to the Magic Word Podcast. Happy Hanukkah to everyone around the world. Happy Christmas to my friends in the UK. Merry Christmas to my friends in the US or any way you celebrate. I'd like to say that Scott Wells and the Magic Word Podcast is the highlight of my week. Next, from California, we hear from our friend Danny LeClaire. Hello, Mr. Wells. This is Danny LeClaire, magician from San Diego. I want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. I hope you're all having a great holiday. Big fan, huge fan of the Magic World Podcast. I think you do. You guys do amazing things with your interviews of top, top-level magicians. I appreciate that. Merry Christmas to everybody. Hope your all holiday is magical. This is Danny from San Diego. Wishing you all the best. Thank you. See you. And then finally, from Locust Grove, Oklahoma, is Clark May. This is Clark May at the Rabbit and Hat Magic Shop in Locust Grove, Oklahoma, sending Christmas greetings to all my magician friends throughout the world and especially to fans of the Magic Word Podcast. Here's wishing for you and yours all the best this holiday season. Thank you guys for helping to share the spirit of the season with the rest of the listeners. And I certainly do appreciate the nice words you said about the magic word. I'm glad that you listen. And for anyone else who enjoyed those messages and you'd like to hear your name and give a little shout out then also, next week we will be just before New Year's Eve. So if you want to go to our website at themagicwordpodcast.com, go to SpeakPipe. There's a little logo there. Click on that and you could leave a message wishing people a joyous, happy and prosperous and healthy new year. Uh, if you want to leave some message going into next year, and perhaps even if you've got some time, you can give us your New Year's resolutions. I certainly would like to hear what you resolve to do in 2023. So just use that speak pipe feature and we'll, we'll post that then in the uh, next week's episode. This week, we are going to visit with David Goldrake. Uh, David was one of the performers at the IBM convention, the National Convention in Atlanta, Georgia, this past summer, and I had an opportunity to sit down and have an exhaustive uh, conversation with him, and it was quite entertaining uh, and, and enlightening and educational. I knew about the problem, or the problem, I knew about the tragic accident with uh, Abby, his now ex-wife, and she was actually at Magic Live a few years ago 
and talked about this, and she uh, is uh, become a paraplegic as a result of this uh, horrible accident that happened again back in 2015 when they were rehearsing over in Belgium. And so he goes into some detail, giving his side of the story. Now we're seven years later, and he feels more comfortable in relating his side. And if you want to hear the other side or read that, I understand that Abby has spoken with uh, Joshua Jay, and he had published that in uh, his book on how magicians think. So you can take a read on that and hear that side of the story. But there are some other details, I think, that I understand might have been left out. Anyhow, this is what David has to say about that. We also begin this in talking about video mapping, which is something that most magicians probably don't use or know much about, but it's quite interesting. And we open up by talking about that and then get into the tragedy that happened, as well as some do's and don'ts and some things to be aware of if you are an illusionist and why now you should, of course, check and recheck even before rehearsals. Well, anyhow, a lot will be said here this week, and this is quite uh, an interesting and enlightening conversation we have this week with my guest, Mr. David Goldrake, here on The Magic Word. Today we have a guest who is from Las Vegas, and I was recently in Las Vegas, but the funny thing is I didn't get a chance to uh, sit down and chat with him. I had to come all the way to Atlanta, Georgia, where we are now. Actually, we are at the International Brotherhood of Magicians uh, <laughs> Annual Convention. This is the 100th uh, this is centenary, I guess, of the IBM, and I'm here then with one of the performers and someone who I've been wanting to talk to for quite some time and uh, is... Um, uh, again, a star of uh, television and stage and everything. Please welcome David Goldrake. Hey there, David. Hello, Scott. How are you? Fantastic. <laughs> As is your show. I just well, first of all I want to say I think yours might have been one of the first shows I saw using video mapping the background oh, and yes. all that. Okay. Were you one of the first, or was just I was late to the game of seeing this? Has I, it been used in Vegas for a long time? Or? Yeah, I believe I was one of the first at the point at the time we started experimenting with uh, video mapping and tracking uh, mm -hmm. when it first came out in Europe. Hmm. And it was a fascinating process. It was a very time-consuming, very expensive process. And I always felt like it would be great to, to create a show that would combine those elements with magic. Uh, the challenge being that you don't want the, the visuals or the, the technology to overshadow either oh. the performer or the magic. So it was a very challenging and yet very rewarding experience that I think created a, a, whole, a whole new world for magic, for a magic show. Well, speaking of things that kind of tend to overwhelm, a uh, mutual friend, Siegfried and Siegfried and Roy, of course, yes. they were doing lions and tigers and dragons even at Absolutely. the end. Absolutely. And then Siegfried's doing a dove production. It's kind of like, eh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was very good, but it's yes. like this little thing compared to this Absolutely. giant thing. Yeah. So you can be overwhelmed by some of the technical part. Absolutely. And I do remember Siegfried telling me at some point when, when they opened the show at the Mirage how overwhelmed he felt because of all the technology about of everything being automa um, automatic and, and just computerized. And, and he said, you know, the dragon is actually the show for us. We, we felt overwhelmed in the beginning and it took them a while to, to adjust to it. To get to, used to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, now, going back to video mapping, for those people who don't understand what that is, and there is a difference between mapping versus the video... Projection. projection, yes. Yeah, there's mapping, there's projection, there's also tracking. We did um, a conference in Germany when uh, they really started playing with tracking, which is um, you have um, LED, uh, you have um, like tiny 
dots that would be attached to the prop or even to the performer. And actually, Michael Jackson was one of the first ones, if not the first one, to use mm. that in his uh, short movie Ghosts mm-hmm. that um, was kind of... Um, a trailer for his three new songs that he had put out back then. And uh, the, um, the electrodes were... The he, he actually put three new songs into a tiny movie, oh, 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 which was fantastic. It was about 30 minutes long. Mm. And there's a scene where he turns into a skeleton and dances. Mm-hmm. And the way they did it is they had all these little tracking dots on his, on his bodysuit yeah, okay. that he was wearing. And then they digitally recreated the skeleton and mimicked his moves. Wow. And that's something uh, that we uh, used, I, be- I believe it was in the... 2008-9, if I'm not mistaken, where we did uh, an illusion using those tracking devices and everything was, we used all blank props and everything was projected on them with the depth, with the 3D look and it was just phenomenal. I had never done it before and when we started experimenting with that, I was blown away by, by the possibilities. Sure. Yeah, and then um, mapping is different. It's um, we used uh, the whole depth of the room in uh, at the Tropicana where I had my show at Las Vegas, and uh, the goal of um, of the of the designs of the aesthetics was to create this depth to create an actual universe in which the magic happened, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what we did actually. Yeah, because I felt as if I was immersed in yes, that, and yes. that's why. Lo- and it could be changed so quickly then as well. I mean, when you were doing, uh, were you doing a water torture? I did the water yeah. torture cell. And, and yes, the things that were going on around that, it just felt like I was. In yes, this you're surrounded by water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, and everything else that happened. And I was thinking about mapping also. Now, over at the uh, Neon Museum uh, in Vegas, they have an area where they have these old signs. And yes. then the buildings, they kind of project so it looks like the old casinos back in the day. Absolutely. So they yeah. can map that. And also, I've seen this like on some uh, buildings, let's say state capitals or whatever, yep. during Christmas that they They're will. They're doing it everywhere now. Everywhere. It's, it's, it's not fantastic. just in Vegas. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What, what they can it's a worldwide that. thing, and it's just absolutely blow, mind-blowing if you it, do it well. It adds, I think, so much. Now, I, I again, just came from uh, Vegas, and I just uh, saw uh, my partner Banachek's uh, show a couple times. Yes. I saw it before and after he put uh-huh. some mapping in there, or some video imaging. And beforehand, always a great show. Yes. But when he actually had this background of everything... 50% better, in my opinion. I it told does him that. add just, a lot. It, yeah. it does add a lot. It, it, it fills the more of the theater. He's in a, in a larger theater uh, to begin with, and he's doing an intimate show, but this widens and, and makes uh, use of the stage, I think, a lot more when you do have that option. Now, it's a lot cheaper than, obviously, because you're not having to build props. I just was in Branson, and I saw Rick Thomas's show then <laughs> doing the Mansion of Dreams, and you've seen that show before. I mean, the Mansion of Dreams that he does with that video mapping. And Now, he's done a lot of that stuff himself as far as like the video. Do you do some of yours as well? No, we had professional professional people do it from okay. Europe. Uh, they actually did uh, Le Rêve uh, in Las Vegas. They wow. did Celine Dion's first show. Mm-hmm. And they recently even did um, Chris Angel's latest show, uh, mm-hmm. which is called A Mystica. Mystica. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is the same team that's been working on my show uh, back then, that worked on my show back then. Yeah, A Mystica is, again, similar to yours from the standpoint. It's projected on the sidewalls as well as on behind Absolutely. them. So you have and that immersive the same experience. Team. It's literally yeah. the same that's team. That's why I had that feel. Yeah. yeah that makes perfect sense uh, then as well. Are you, are you performing anywhere then? right now or in Vegas or are you looking for something or what's happening currently? We closed our show in December uh-huh. for the following reason. I've been getting more and more requests to tour with uh, smaller, more intimate shows mm-hmm. and that's something that I used to do in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. I love the intimacy of parlor magic so uh, I've been mostly on the road for the past six months. However, we are uh, in talks with various casinos in Las Vegas. Given the current market mm-hmm. circumstances, I'm not 
really that excited to open now, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking about next spring. That would be a great opportunity to open in a new casino and mm -hmm. uh, possibly recreate Imaginarium 2.0 or, yeah. or even a different show. That was the name of your show, Imaginary. That was the name yeah, of the I'm show, glad yes. you reminded me because I'm sorry. I That's fine. My mind. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> now, how long did that show run, by the way? Uh, we were there almost two years. Okay, the Tropicana. Yes. Was that the same room where Rick Thomas used to work? It was the same room Rick okay. Thomas used to work. They had mm -hmm. Folie Berger there with uh, Lance Burton, right. Siegfried Roy. So that's, it's an 1,100-seat theater. Right, yeah, right. Gorgeous and theater. Currently... What is in there? Is that uh, the classic or the magic? Uh, sorry. The Currently, they legends? have Legends in Concert. In concert yeah. They have uh, Purple Rain. They yeah. also have a third show. MJ experience. I think that the one that moved over from the strap. Absolutely. The same guy who Perfect. Was, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. You're more up to date than I am. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, people have asked, are you moving to Vegas? And I've, I've thought about it. In fact, I talked with uh, Gloria Day, uh -huh. uh, who is coming up on her 100th birthday, and she was the first magician ever to work Las Vegas. Yes, you indeed. You, you're where she is. Indeed. Uh, so I was visiting with her, and she said, my That's house is for sale. And I thought, hmm. <laughs> Interesting, yes. And it's a one story, and so it's not too far off the strip. And I've thought about it. Well, anyhow, change the subject. Awesome. So, <laughs> but I love Vegas, and I've got so many friends uh, out yes. there. It's great, great to uh, uh, city. It's just so darn hot. My concern, though, about it is just the uh, Lake Mead. I'm wondering how much longer they're going to have water to power the city. We all wonder. I, I was going to say, is that something as a Vegas uh, resident that they talk about, or they kind of... We do talk about, but it's not a very hot topic. No, mm. I mean, it's... You know, it's in the back of everybody's minds, but no one really worry, seems to be very aware of it uh, okay. to the extent that they should be, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that's kind of way that I'm thinking. But uh, anyhow, as to uh, the show and the thing when you were saying that you were touring over, because you're not from the U.S., you're from... I'm from Europe, from Luxembourg, okay. one of the smallest countries. I've been to Luxembourg. You have. I actually flew in, first time I ever went to Europe was in 1972, and I flew into Luxembourg via Icelandic Airlines. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> they were still flying back then, yes. That's when... They had the Spassky and uh, Boris Spassky and uh, uh, chess tournament with, um, my mind went blank, um, in Iceland. And I, we stopped over in Iceland. Uh, I was in college. And yes. uh, uh, we went from uh, there uh, to, uh, to Luxembourg and then spent the, the yeah, summer over yeah, there. Yeah. But, uh, uh, it, it, of course, Bruges is a beautiful little city. Which uh, is in Belgium. It's Belgium, actually, yes. which is next to yes. Luxembourg. We are is that about right? uh, two hours from Bruges, yeah. Okay. The country is, our country is 30 miles by 60 miles, so it's super tiny. It's between say, Germany, Belgium, and France. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's the third richest country in the world. <laughs> so what is it gives it its wealth? Um, it used to be a steel industry-driven oh. country, and now it's all banks. So, mm -hmm. And because we're so small and central uh, mm -hmm. in Europe... The we, new Switzerland? We do, it's kind of like Switzerland, yeah. Mm -hmm. We're independent as well, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and do you ever get back? I assume you have family still over there. I do have family over there. I get back every, you know, once a year, maybe twice a year. Uh, during the pandemic, obviously, I didn't go back because yeah. no one traveled. And the native language is French? Luxembourgish. Luxembourgish. Yeah, we have uh, our own language, which is Luxembourgish. We also have two official languages, which are French and German. So hmm. that's uh, So it's kind of a, a combination in a way, I guess, of the two languages, or Luxembourgish? Um, it has one? become. There are some... Words that have been taken from both languages, but uh, originally it's a German dialect, yeah. But you moved to the U.S. when? Uh, five years ago, five and a half years ago, actually. Because well, your yeah. English is yeah. impeccable. Oh, I mean, I would guess you moved here kind. when you were seven or eight years old because <laughs> you speak so well. I learned it a little later, but thank you. It's is English kind. one of the languages they teach in school, I assume? As you're yes, in up? high school. Oh, okay, yeah, we learn English in high school. Because they always say people who... Uh, 
uh, <laughs> what is that? Speak two languages or are bilingual? Yes. Yeah. Those who it starts speak. with the trilingual, bilingual, and then <laughs> Americans. Yeah, but it's not just Americans, and it's fully understandable. Americans, a continent, it's a huge country mm. on its own, and you know most people don't need to travel abroad. Yeah, <laughs> you have everything you need here. Was it Vegas that you came that appealed to you that you came over here? We, yes, we got the contract at the Tropicana. I actually started um, performing in the U.S. in 2002. My mm -hmm. first engagement was at the Magic Castle. Mm -hmm. And it's actually going to be 20 years this year. Uh, so Are you I'm, going back? So, uh, yeah. Are you I, excited about that? We're, sure. we're, going, we're actually doing... Um, I was very fortunate that Jack Goldfinger and I were... You know, synchronicity worked in our advantage in the sense that I am literally going to perform on my 20th anniversary again in the palace. So that's when I started performing in the United States. I came back regularly. And then I had a bigger uh, engagement in uh, Reno uh, mm -hmm. called The Masters of Magic, where I headlined. It was produced by Tony Clark and Paul Reeder. And that's when I started. That um, at the Hilton, was it? Uh, it was at the GSR. Okay, yeah. Yes, GSR, yes, from yeah. Hilton, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's the same hotel. Yeah. Big stage, huge uh, stage. It's apparently the largest indoor stage on the planet. Yeah, that's what yeah, I understand. It's fantastic. They can put a seven four. They have put they a seven still, four. Seven. It's still there. Yeah. Yes, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And um, that's when I started getting a taste for. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say American audiences because I had already that taste, mm -hmm. but it's. It felt like home, and mm. I started approaching, uh, you know, the entertainment directors in various casinos, and then we got the contract in uh, at the Tropicana in 2016. We signed it, mm -hmm. and I opened in 2017. And then you played uh, up until basically the uh, pandemic? O almost before the pandemic, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I remember, of course, the, the tragedy that happened, if we could talk about that. We uh, can. Okay, uh, because she was uh, talking at the Magic Live uh, yes. about this. I, I'd forgotten her name. Abby. Abby. Yes. That was your wife? She's your, my ex-wife ex -wife. Yes. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, and so she had, uh, it was during a levitation, and so, uh, go ahead and tell the story. Okay, I will, I will tell the story Again. because it has been rewritten by another fellow magician mm. completely wrong. Oh, well, I'm glad I got this from the <laughs> so, source. So uh, some people start to rewrite history, which has happened a lot over the past you know, centuries, I would say. Mm. So first of all, we had the accident together. We were performing, um, we had been performing the double levitation, which I created um, many, many years ago. We started in 2014. And in 2015, we, we were rehearsing it for an upcoming tour. And we had been doing it for three weeks in the, in the rehearsal room, in the smaller theater. And then we went to the actual theater we were supposed to start our tour in. And um, on the night of the dress rehearsal, uh, Abby went up uh, the 10 feet that the levitation goes up. Right. And then I went up the 10 feet. Right. And she's lying horizontally. I'm vertically behind her. Yes. And uh, at some point, I feel a slight jerk, and I see my technicians kind of coming closer visually or optically, and I've, I'm like, this is weird. And then I look down, and I see the floor coming closer, and I realize we're literally, the whole unit was tipping forward, forward. with both of us on it. Not going straight down, it was, it was tipping forward. It was forward. tipping forward, yes. And... Um, I held her neck, I held her back, I just yelled hold because there's a little handle she could hold yes. onto. Yes. And as we fell, I, I landed with my entire right side on the floor. The, the back of the levee hit my neck mm -hmm. and she was laying flat because that's what she was doing yes. to start with. And I remember just going, everything's fine, everything's fine. And, and looking at our entire cast and crew and say, we're all good. Abby, are you okay? And she was just panting like, here, here, I can't breathe. And I thought, 
you know, the, the ribs had punctured her lungs or anything. Right. And I was still not that worried. I, you know, we were both really strong and athletic. And mm -hmm. so we called the MT right away. And uh, when they arrived, they started asking the questions, is she feeling her legs? And I asked her and, and it was like, no, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I wow. didn't even register the implications of that answer. And then we both were, you know, brought to the hospital Mm -hmm. with an ambulance and uh, I had all my, my body checked she had all her body checked separately we didn't see each other for I would say an hour and then the doctor came and, and told me that she had broken her C3 and C4 and my mind clicked right away uh, I, I love medicine it's a, it's a hobby of mine mm. I would never call myself a doctor though <laughs> yeah. but, um, but had you not pursued magic you might have been an EMT or something it would have been uh, yeah. medicine was always one of my big, big hobbies and passions mm -hmm. so yeah, I realized what had happened, and I, I just broke down, and yeah, she was, uh, she was literally paralyzed for uh, three full months. She was in, we were in hospital in Germany. I stayed with her every single day. So the first three months, and I, 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 I didn't say it correctly, she was paralyzed in hospital for three months, but she stayed there as an inpatient for nine months. And that's where you were, by the way. I was mistaken. For some reason, I thought you were in the U.S. and Vegas. No, we were in, in Luxembourg. We were in Luxembourg, and then... She was transported to Germany because I called all my doctor friends in, in Luxembourg and yeah. I said, what do we do? And they all said, you have to bring her to Germany. In Bochum, there's one of the best uh, hospitals in Europe for yeah. uh, SCI patients. Mm. And for the first three months, she couldn't move a millimeter. It was just... She could only blink, basically. She, and I talk, mean, she eat. could move her head. She could talk. She, everything was... But the whole body was paralyzed. The neck, yeah. And the doctor, there was one doctor, Oliver, who would come in every night and kind of playfully go... You know, wiggle your toes, wiggle your toes. And after three months, the big toe of her right foot started like a half millimeter. And he just went, I knew it. We all cried. It was phenomenal. And she was on a breathing machine. Yeah. That mm. is something she got off after five and a half months to six months. And it was the same process. Three seconds in the beginning, then five seconds, then a minute, then two minutes until she could breathe for 24 hours without the breathing machine. And mm. yeah, she, she, wasn't, she still is an incomplete uh, quadriplegic. Um, I remember when she was telling the story yes. at Magic Live, and she came out then in a wheelchair, but then actually stood up and walked Absolutely. towards you. Yeah. Tell a little bit that about that. That is the definition of uh, an incomplete uh, quadriplegic. Um, there's the complete quadriplegic where the spine is completely severed, mm -hmm. and there's no chance of movement because Ever. there are no connections. Yeah. And in her case, um, the two main doctors, um, Renata and Christoph and uh, Oliver, they, they are actually the three ones, felt that she was incomplete from day one. Mm -hmm. And it's phenomenal to see how, even as a scientist, you develop this intuition. And since you're, you know, you've been in mentalism forever, I, I've spoken to, I've done mentalism on my own, but I've spoken to so many people. And you develop, I think, I be firmly believe that you do develop an intuitive process that you, you know, there's things that you just know that are beyond the trick part. Mm -hmm. And that doctor, she told us from day one, I think she will move at some point. And that was like two days after the surgery, she which is something that scientifically yeah. there was no evidence or nothing, but she felt, no, I feel, I feel something. Some energy. It's, it's the, the body, you know, touching the body, sure. feeling the body. It's, it's, I think it's pure experience and it becomes sure. an intuitive process. And that's exactly what happened. So at this point, Abby's able to move with her crutches, uh, without crutches, a few, a few feet. Um, but obviously that's, you know, the tip of the iceberg because the moment she's done it, she's exhausted for, for, yeah. you know, days. She can't walk in the store. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's so different. She can drive, but she has a lot of, you know, devices that help her. Yeah. But even that is an exhausting process because the nerves are just, you know, 
very tired. And she's how old? Uh, she was born 40s? in 82, so okay. she's... Uh, yeah, 40. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so when you have a traumatic incident, certainly like that, from your standpoint, and being part of that, and someone to whom you were married at the time, yes. and in love with, um, had to affect you from a visceral standpoint of, I don't know if I want to continue this profession. And you were talking about medicine. Did that occur to you, or what kind of went through your mind? Um, I can tell you exactly what went it, through my mind. It isn't tra traumatic to talk about. I mean, it's okay. okay. It's been. Uh, it's going to be seven years in October, and I've I've had time. In fact, you mentioned Siegfried earlier, and I forgive me. Uh, Abby was born in '86, not '82. Okay. So Siegfried was very helpful in the process because Siegfried went through something similar. When with you and I Roy. were talking earlier, I said this last time we saw each other. I know that you kind of got a little emotional too because yeah. it's like. He was such a good friend of yours. And yes. Last time you and I saw each other. Correct. Yeah. Um, we were very close the last, yeah, the last four or five years. Mm. So Siegfried was always reminding me of of how he dealt with the accident of Roy and how how he, how much time it took him to get over it and the therapy that he had and everything, and it was really helpful for me. So in this in this sense, it's uh, it's okay for me to talk okay. about it. Um, I do vividly remember. The day after the accident, Abby was in, a, in an artificial coma, and then she woke up, and I was telling her that I was canceling the entire tour and that I didn't want to continue, and she literally started crying. And mm -hmm. because she couldn't talk, she had a breathing tube and everything, mm -hmm. I told her I'm going to stop, and, and her eyes went, and I'm like, you don't want that? And she's like, you know, I could see she, it was a no. She, I, she wanted me to continue. And it was, it was just... I can't even describe it. It was a very destructive thing. I know I cried every night on stage when I performed. Uh, I did the Puzzle of Life, which is a creation of uh, my friend Felix's, which in the meantime, a lot of American performers do as well, but it was mostly European thing back then, which is a rearranging puzzle. Kind of, a, kind of a jigsaw thing. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it had become so personal. It was all about, my story was about the challenges in life, how, how our life becomes whole as you overcome challenges and integrate them in your life. And, and this was personal for and you. And this, it became super personal at that yeah. point. And every time I told the story and performed the piece, I, tears were just, mm. and in Luxembourg, you know, people knew me, so everyone sympathized. And the story. It was just unbelievable. Did it make the headlines or the newspapers? Oh, yes, 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 mm -hmm. yes. It's, um, it was a very, a very, mediatized event back then everybody was like oh you know david and, and his accident and everything we were on tv and it was just dreadful dreadful experience for months mm -hmm. and um yeah so i did think about um stopping but abby didn't want me to stop the tour so i just continued you know i had to continue and i realized obviously without her but you had to find somebody yes, to replace yes her. yes i was Same very illusion, fortunate but Raphael, who is actually performing with us uh, this weekend here at Atlanta, he, he's been a friend of mine since uh, 97, so he stepped in right away, said, David, if you need me, I'm very happy to perform the show with you to fill in the gaps. We had written a whole story, Jim Steimer had helped us write a whole story about, you know, it was Abby and me, it was a story about the goddess of magic and everything, and we had to rewrite the entire show within you know, days. Yeah. So Raphael stepped in, my friend Lionel from France stepped in, and, and we kind of did a hybrid show. Um, so I was very, very grateful to have all these friends around me How to nice help me to, to help support you. us. Yeah. And yeah, in, in many, many different Emotionally ways. Emotionally as well as physically. Oh, yes, well, yeah. yes, yes. It was phenomenal to feel that love, that support. Wow. And at the same time to, to struggle with pure destruction. I mean, my whole life was, was shattered within a, a millisecond, you know. It's, that, uh, I, I can't imagine that in which that you are not feeling that because, first of all, you're in the moment, I guess. But for the shock on your tech people when they're seeing you come forward and you're wondering, well, 
I mean, they're getting closer. What's happening over here? I mean, that... Uh, they told me that later. I, you know, it's exactly how you say it. When you're in the moment, as a martial artist, which is, you know, I've been doing martial arts for almost my entire life, my, my first reflex was, how are we going to land? You know, anticipate the landing, and you just, in, within milliseconds, I observed my surroundings. I observed everything. Okay, how am I going to land? Mm. How am I going to... to um, Impact uh, Exactly. And how I'm going to catch her at the same time, sure. because she was helpless. She was laying flat on, yeah. on the harness. So everything went through my head within milliseconds, and I remember landing rolling over while keeping my right hand under her neck and, and back. And the doctors actually told us later, one of the doctors, Steve, he said, if you had not held your hand under the neck, it would have snapped and she would be dead. Wow. And this is, these are things that you learn later. But in the moment, it's just reflex and survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pure instinct, pure instinct. Well, when you were saying that you were, you know, people can't see the way you're describing this, but it looked like you were kind of leaning a little bit, and I was thinking you probably landed on your side. So did you injure your my side? My whole or? right side was injured. My, I couldn't walk for or? a year. No, luckily not because of my, you know, my experience in, mar- in martial, oh, martial arts. arts okay. I was able to roll at the right time. Uh, my knee, my right knee, hit the floor full, full force. So for twelve, uh, um, everything was not really shattered, but I couldn't walk for a year. I had a, I had a brace that I had to wear on stage. I was just suffering because I took it off for my, for my performances. Wow. And whenever I was with Abby to carry her or whatever, I took it off as well. But yeah, yeah and I still have, you know, the side effects to this day. You know, it's right. been almost seven years. I've pain in my neck. I've pain in my left arm. I've pain in my in my left right leg. But it's you know, you live with it. It's that's nothing compared to what Abby's going through. No, to that's this just day. nerve damage, I guess, in which that is irreparable. A lot of Although it. some nerves can grow back, right? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. and you're so a young it's... man, so I would think. You'd, well, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> comparatively speaking, it's my age. No, you're kind. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, uh, but the standpoint that, and you were healthy enough that had you been both of else, us, both have, of us, yeah. yes, we were going to the gym every morning. It was mm-hmm. part of our daily routine. We were both very athletic, very healthy, very you know, mm-hmm. in in every on every level. But there was nothing she could do because of her supine position. Nothing, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. She was, you know, going to definitely have something that yeah. was. Uh, she was going to take a fall one way or the other. I guess that was going to be. Yeah. And she did. She say anything on the way down, or what's happening, or did no, nothing. It, it happened so quickly. I just yelled. I remember, hold. She grabbed the handle. I had my hands, my both hands under her, mm-hmm. and I was anticipating the fall with my legs and my brain. And bam, you know, the thing hit me in the, in the neck. Yeah. She landed on her side, which is also why she had some damage on, you know, on, the, on her right side as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the neck was the, the main element that, that was, you know, destroyed or damaged. Wow, wow. Now, because I don't know how much of this you want to get into as far as what the insurance was like or as far as, like, was this a hotel? Was it a casino? Is there, you know, as far as yes. who is to... I can, I can delve in that uh, quickly or shortly. Um, since this happened in Europe, rules are different. That's why I was curious. Yes. Um, I mean, over here... I mean, there's no lawsuits. lawsuits there's no anything. Insurance stepped in right away. Mm-hmm. And medical insurance, to this day, I haven't paid a cent for anything. Is she from Luxembourg also? She's from Bridgeport, Connecticut. So oh, she's wow. American. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Had it happened here, the process would have been so much more complicated and gruesome. But mm-hmm. in Europe, everything was taken care of. We, we never saw a bill. She got the best treatments ever. Mm-hmm. There was uh, even... Um, a process with an exon skeleton that was developed by Japanese and American and wow. German scientists uh-huh. that costs a fortune. Luxembourgish government allowed us to to have that treatment. So every two days after a while, she was able to use those exon skeletons that, mm-hmm. that were mm-hmm. also developed for military. Right. So it was phenomenal, and we didn't pay a cent. 
Wow, which yeah. she could still use then, I guess, today to help her walk. Uh, no, no, she's in. Since we're we're living in the U.S. now, separately though, right. but uh, she's uh, that was just part of the treatment. Now, as I understand, you're saying his ex-wife, and so she'd left now. And I understand this. She's completely out of magic, not interested. I mean, you see each other from time to time, but she's not assisting her. We are in touch, uh, but uh, she, you know, she's living her life. I'm living my yeah, life. That's what I mean. You're at, separate, at, after eight months, but magic's of, not part of her life anymore. I don't think so. No, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, but still a big part of yours. Yes. <laughs> and carrying on. Yes. Uh, there are, are there some tips that you would suggest? I mean, there are people, I mean, like Rick Thomas does that, and several other people do these kinds of uh, illusions then as well, that you would, I think even Razor does that. I think I saw him do that when I was in Branson. It's, okay. it's, it's something that a few people are still doing. Yeah. Would you caution people to think about taking that out? or No, not at oh, all. Right. I would uh, caution people to not listen to the builders. Just listen to your gut, uh, re- listen to reason, whatever they tell you. Uh, add 200% of safety, whatever anyone tells you. And Regardless, uh, not talking just about this illusion. but No, it any be... illusion, any illusion. Yeah. Uh, I've seen things go wrong with very simple illusions mm-hmm. uh, because magicians trusted the builder. Mm-hmm. And I understand, you know, builders are not all engineers and, and not everything is thought through the way it should be to 100%. Some illusions are in prototypes. I granted the double levitation was not, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, just just follow your instinct, follow common sense. If they tell you it's safe, triple, quadruple, quintuple check just to make sure that yeah. you are on the right side. And uh, yeah. And do you do that also prior to the show? I mean, I know like a lot of guys will say, okay, I'm going to double check, like Mario was talking about, uh, checking the batteries for his robots oh, yeah. just before he goes on. Yes. The same thing, do yes. you check all these kinds of we, things? We did that, we do it. Uh, in this case, I can tell you exactly what had happened. We The double levitation should require a lot of counterweights in the back. Sure, sure. And we were told by the builder, you know, you know, it's kind of balanced in a way that you don't really need it, but it's good to do it. Ooh. So it's very, you know, cosmopolitan and non-committal and mm-hmm. we actually had situations where we had to rehearse without the weights because the weights were not available then or whatever wow. and that's what happened that's that night there yeah. were too many issues going on around the production egos and and director mm-hmm. stuff and everything and we focus on the wrong things you know we were we were going to bring the weights the day of the show because we knew that we had done it without the weights for a while mm-hmm. here and there so we felt it's all good, and it wasn't. So never you were just underestimate. lucky in the past. We were lucky in the past, point, absolutely. absolutely. We've done it without the weights, you know, like 20, 30 times. Nothing ever happened. The oh. prop was really sturdy. Sure. And then something does happen. So never underestimate anything. Just double, triple check. Mario was right about the batteries, about the thread, about anything you use. Mm-hmm. And, and these are, you know, futile things uh, or trivial things compared to an accident. But... Some things are actually dangerous. Even the water tank, you know, I've done the water tanks, I don't know, four, five, six hundred, a thousand yeah. times. Um, we have like triple, quadruple safeties, and yet anything can happen. Have you had issues with the water tank? <laughs> I've had one which was very interesting, and I was told by Charles Buck um, that he experienced the same but worse. There's a point when, um, when you do the water tank, or even diving, where there's a disconnect between your brain and your body uh, as you're fainting. In, in the water, you're in fainting. the water, oh my gosh. and so I, and I was warned by my diving instructor that this could happen at some point, yeah. and he told me to be very alert. And since I have this, I have a really great kinesthetic and body awareness, uh, which I'm very grateful for. So I'm in the water tank, and at some point, I feel like my brain is acting differently than my body, and and something is off. 
And I remember his words. I'm like, David, you're fainting. So I just kind of shake myself back and, and release myself and jump out of the water earlier than I should have for the performance. Mm-hmm. And my crew actually told me, what was happening? We, we saw you kind of slow down. You were not moving anymore. And then, yes. I, I, and then I spoke. They were getting ready. To- they were ready, yeah. but I came out, luckily. And then months later, I spoke to Charles Barr. It was a completely unrelated event. We were talking you know, about personal things. And he's telling me that he's on a cruise ship in the pool. Mm-hmm. They had to take him out. It had happened to him in the same way, except he didn't realize it. So your brain is kind of still active. You think you're conscious, but you're not anymore which is completely weird and I was so fortunate that my diving instructor as I said I told, told me before while we were practicing for the water tank beware this can happen this has happened to apnea divers and anything so just be aware that it can happen so that's the only thing that ever happened and so to me so do you stop breathing then or do you start well you're not in, you're underwater anyway so you're not breathing at, at all yeah. uh, you're holding your breath but it's kind of your brain just just stops functioning. You 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 know you're passing out and yet. But your subconscious somehow, is still there. Yes, so you're, you're somehow still semi-aware, yeah. and I was very lucky to to notice it early enough. And wow. then I was like, no no no, get back get back, come out. <laughs> yeah, my guys were like, what was happening? I said, I don't know. I just felt completely off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the guy speaking of uh, Mystica a little bit earlier and water torture. There's a gentleman who is that that does the water torture in Chris's show in the Mystica. Do you know his name? Um, you know what? I don't. I think it's Landon um, Swank. Because I was looking at the credits, Chris invited me to a show a few weeks ago, and I saw it. I know. Um, there's a few performers, because Chris isn't in the show at no, all. He's, he's just a producer. His voice over. And I think it's uh, Landon Swank who does the water tank, if I'm not mistaken. But it seems like he was like two and a half minutes, which I remember Spencer Horseman was going a little bit longer than yes, that. And, yes, yes. And I know it's a very and, – and, and I think I'd heard Chris or somebody say he sometimes goes longer. You know, there's, there's no telling underwater. You, unless are you, are you watching the time or do you see I'm the I'm listening clock? to music. Oh, you I, I, I have a yeah. – I have a – I love music and I have a, a condition that's called synesthesia, so that I'm helps me. That. And um, um, so I'm listening to the music and I have everything in me and so I know when it's time to get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's, um, and you have to know that it's a very mental process. Uh, a lot of people admire the physical prowess of being underwater, sure. but it's, um, in my opinion, a purely mental, ex- um, yeah, ex- not experiment, but exercise in the <laughs> sense that when, when I was in a good mood when I had a great day going underwater was meditation for me I would look forward to that moment to just go yes just dunk me during the show because everything else now's my time to relax yes I'm serious and I'm a loner by nature so being in that water was two and a half or three minutes of meditation just picking those logs and just listening to the music relaxing and and having my my mind moment if I had a bad day which was more often the case because mm. you know I was taking care of Abby during the day yes. we were fighting with the casino and with the crew and whatever happened I would be so tense that I couldn't wait to get out of the water mm-hmm. and I felt so tense I'm like I gotta get out I gotta get out I gotta get out and no David stay you have to stay for that much time. So it's a purely mental exercise. It's like David Blaine. You know, I've, I've spoken mm-hmm. about it with, uh, with people working with him. And, and they told me, you know, he can stay underwater for 20 minutes because he has had extensive training. Yes. And, and that is amazing to me. It is amazing, <laughs> but it's feasible. You know, if you do the right exercises before the show or in the, during the intermission, it's absolutely feasible. But David, when he reaches his eight minutes, it's like, ah, you know, I should get out. But... 
maybe four more minutes, you know, and yeah. people go like, oh, this is awesome, but it's phenomenal what's happening in your mind. I believe Chris has done it as well in the past, you know, in New York, he was in he this did. globe. Right. So it's, it's a purely mental thing. It's phenomenal how, how much the body and the mind can work together to, to do supernatural things. I recall hearing... David talk about that on the Joe Rogan podcast yes. in which he was talking about all the training that uh, I guess he had worked with the Navy and the Navy SEALs mm-hmm. and about mm-hmm. also breathing exercises yes. that he had to do and, and then little at a time Absolutely. building up. I mean that uh, for, I would recommend for people to go back if you haven't heard that that's a phenomenal episode. It is. Uh, but uh, it, it it is a special thing. How long do you typically go? Do you try to like with Chris saying I think I'll go another minute. I mean do you kind of. Or, yeah I my music is timed, yeah. and uh, for so what? Four uh, minutes? I'm 420? no, I'm at uh, 2:40 or something like okay. that. 2:40, I could stay underwater for four to six minutes if I wanted to. Uh, so but you find it, that to be more dramatic for uh, the audience. I think it gets boring. Th- times have changed, you mm-hmm. know. Um, we and we're in the middle of this. I mean, we're past the transition, I would say. But the time span that people can watch something and and think short attention span. Uh, yeah, it's it's ah. it's completely changed. Even for that. Oh yes. Oh my gosh. You know, I've uh, and I've experienced it myself. I'm I'm still old generation <laughs> yeah, I can read club. a book for hours I can watch <laughs> read stuff a what? But <laughs> a book. exactly but it's um, I've noticed it with myself after a while it does get boring because it's the same thing it's mm. the same process mm. and people just go like okay you know we're done can you, when you're watching the audience also I guess you, yes I observe the audience and, and it's not the same anymore you, re, you may I mean remember is the wrong word but if you reread all the all the uh, reviews of Harry Houdini's shows, mm. for instance, where he was behind that curtain for minutes, oh, 10 sure. minutes, 20 minutes. No, yeah. It was a whole act. Right. That's not happening anymore. And he, used to, he was already out and he would just you know, kind of exactly. hit the curtain or whatever. Exactly. But the audience was like, oh, is he going to make it? Yes. And they wouldn't leave. They wouldn't go Nowadays, to the bathroom. Nowadays, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's completely different. I understand that. You know? But that was 100 years ago. Absolutely. But, and I understand the short attention span. Yeah. But even so, being under, do you think perhaps they may have been jaded a little bit by watching David Blaine and seeing some of these other people and thinking, ah, oh, he's not going to die on stage? I that, don't think so. That's, I think, an yeah. inherent, we're going off on a different subject here, but uh, that I think is something inherent in uh, danger tricks. In other words, yes. They're going to, particularly like on America's Got Talent, the guy's going to live. I mean, they're shooting arrows or whatever. They wouldn't broadcast it if the guy dies. Uh, I mean, well, Jonathan Goodwin, for an example. Yes. So sad what happened yes. to him. I mean, that's amazing. Yes. And, and uh, about, for those who don't know, he had something. He was in the AGT show. He was in Luxor, the AGT show. And yeah. there were a couple of cars that were going to be. Correct. Uh, most of crush him and essentially did. Long story. But yeah. he's not going to be coming back. I understand it's pretty darn serious. I mean, he's alive, but yeah. not coming back. Uh, so there is danger, but I'm just saying I think the audiences today are jaded from the standpoint, yeah, they are thinking something might happen, but surely it won't. I mean, you're still biting your nails, but it's like they're going to live. Yes. He's going to get out of the water because there's somebody also, if you would have passed out, in that yes. example you were saying earlier, you got people, they're not going to hit it with an axe like Houdini was trying to build up, <laughs> but somebody's going to unlock and get pull you out. Yeah, yeah. So you're not going to die. So what are your thoughts about the audiences today. I, I think the audience still has that fear that something can go wrong and things have gone wrong to magicians mm-hmm. including myself mm-hmm. uh, like even you know with the Tigers with Siegfried oh, uh, or Roy it's yeah. something that there's an inherent danger that people are aware of mm-hmm. obviously there's this optimism and anticipation that nothing will go wrong mm-hmm. and it's part of the thrill um and I think it's all about presentation at the end of the day. You have to make mm-hmm. that journey interesting. I, I remember Max, Max Maven, many, many decades ago, uh, talking about um, 
the, in, especially in mentalism, the, the journey versus the result. And you compare it to a, a football match. Uh, you, you go to a football match and you're, you're rooting for your team. And even if they lose, if the match was interesting and really engaging, you don't care. You had a great time. Sure. You know, and, and as a mentalist yourself, it's, you have this journey of whatever it is. Maybe you have a, a piece of mentalism that would take seven, eight minutes right. until they reveal the denouement. Mm -hmm. And imagine you end up with a failure. You, you, you completely got it wrong. If the journey up the to journey. there is interesting and if the process is engaging and if people are, are really like immersed in the whole thing, you had a great time and you will forgive the performer. You go, oh, but it was so cool. Yes. Up to then, I had such a great time. Yeah. And I think an escape, the build up to the, to the actual escape moment is the same. You have to make it interesting. That's why when Jim and I designed and devised uh, my water tank version, it was all about being visible and, and, and having different elements, different beats in the routine that would add to the actual process and that would make it interesting. You know, it's like in acting. I, I started acting, you know, I had an acting coach and, and you have this exercise with the chair where you sit on a chair and then after 10 seconds, make it interesting. You change your position, make mm -hmm. it interesting. You do something else. And it goes on until, until you're out of solutions. Well, I'm on a chair. What else do you want me to do? Yeah. You know, and this is the same for an escape. I think the process has to be interesting right yeah the process does have to be interesting so but but oftentimes i think when it's built up as if you're trying to beat the clock and you're saying okay well i'm going to try to beat my own record of two minutes yes or whatever it happens to be that's when it kind of it's, it's a journey getting there but it does happen to be the time absolutely so it has to, something obviously to do with that yes mm -hmm. yes and uh, and the build up to it that you're not going to be able to get out that these are genuine handcuffs and, yep. and all the rest of whatever. Absolutely, we have everything examined. You know, the spectators yeah. come on stage before the actual act. Yeah, yeah. But what are your thoughts going back again? Let's say to Jonathan uh, Goodwin of of uh, building greater and greater danger things, and it's what is you know trying what is that next. It's a thing. great it question. Happen, you know? It's a great question. I've thought about it. I used to think about it even before. Uh, it happened to myself or before it happened to Jonathan or, or other people. I always wondered why, why do we do that? What's the, hmm. what drives us and, and, and how, how far do you want to go? How far can you go? And we've all done it. I think, um, you know, if you look at, Penn and Teller with Banachek's, um, you know, the bullet catch. Yeah. David has done so many illusions that, that are dangerous. David mm -hmm. Copperfield. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris has done unbelievable things, you know, even with the, with the body suspension. Body yeah. I've, you know, I've done it for my, for my pleasure, you know, because I, I have a lot of friends in that, within that community. But, mm. but Chris actually did it on stage and with the helicopter and everything. Right. And I'm like, how far are we going and what drives us? And at this point, as an adult... I still don't have an answer. On one hand, my, you know, pseudo, I will say pseudo mature adult man will go, you are insane. You're stupid to do these things. And at the same time, there's something in us that is stronger than, than us, a drive, a, a, a little voice that whispers, you know, in our head and I need to get to the next step. I need to do this. I need to do that. And, and it's uncontrollable. And it's, I think that's what is the absolute definition of passion. I, I don't know if you know, or if our listeners know, yeah. passion comes from the Latin word pati, that means to suffer. Hmm. And it's this overwhelming feeling and emotion that we cannot control, that is stronger than us, and it could potentially even destroy us. And that's the actual etymology of the word passion. And I think that's what it is. There's, uh, you know, I've had conversations with colleagues, and why do you still do that? 
I don't know. It's stronger than me. I need to. It's a part responsibility towards the audience, giving them that thrill, that, that mm -hmm. great experience, and, and this the thing adrenaline. within us, the adrenaline that, that we can't control. Mm -hmm. So I'm very ambivalent. On one hand, I'm like, we should stop doing that. And on the other hand, I'm, I'm victim it. of it, quote unquote victim. I hate that word. But mm. I'm still sometimes prone to, oh, we need to come up with something different and more dangerous mm -hmm. you know I, I a great story if i may i don't know if we have yeah. time but jim steimer and i were having the conversation about the bed of death the, the yeah, andre nails. cole piece mm -hmm. and uh doug henning was performing it in broadway and you know they have like triple and quadruple safeties and then at some point during the run they realize there's one spike missing on the rack at the top and no one knows where it is what happened when they closed the show, they tore down everything. The spike was nested in the back wall of the theater. So what had presumably happened, it's all just speculation, but it makes sense on a physical level. The, they think that that spike hit the board, the bottom board or the table at an angle it that impaled. it broke off oh. and it literally flew against the back wall. Because it hits with some, it, it's such impact. Yeah, it ricocheted okay. and just like, you know, at an angle, bam, flew gotcha. against the back wall. And imagine a stagehand had stood there. He would have been impaled or she would have been impaled and no one would have even noticed. Know where it came from. So these things are unpredictable. That sounds, that sounds like a script for a uh, whodunit uh, mystery on TV. Absolutely. But, you know, Jim told me the story years ago. I was fascinated by, by, by how things can happen unexpectedly. Even though you have all the rest of safety measures Everything, in place, you know, something could break. Everything, you know, the thing would never have fallen on Doug, possibly. Right. And yet, this spike could have killed someone. So there's always the potential. Right. He's safe, but then, bing, yes. kills his sister here. Yes, this, ah, yes. In the background. Yeah. Holy it's moly. Unbelievable. No, I've never heard that story. Yeah, <laughs> that was me. That was the Court Theater, I believe, in New York, when uh, where he was playing. Doug Henning was playing. I don't know. Which is where da uh, Darren Brown was. Okay, most okay, recently. all right. Um, saw his show a couple of yes. years ago. Uh, it was really great. During COVID, did you have uh, any shows that you were performing, uh, or were you? I know Vegas was in lockdown, and yes. then when they came out, they kind of had the spacing, and then they had, you couldn't bring anybody on stage. Uh, you don't do a lot of people. You don't have a lot of volunteers on stage. I do. With I do. Uh, it's okay. a very interactive I show. I have up to seventeen people on stage okay. sometimes. Okay, forgive me. Then I, 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 and, no, it's fine. Yeah. You are you are forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> but you still, during that time, that Las Vegas had pretty stringent uh, yes. rules as far as wearing masks, and even now. I mean, when I was there a couple weeks ago and I was visiting with Shen Lim afterwards, yes. he was having to wear a mask. Yes. And I said, can you take it off so we can take a quick picture? He said, if I happen to get COVID and there are, there are cameras everywhere yes. and they see that I had my mask off for a moment, I could get fired. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, very tricky. And uh, when it closed, most of us, as you know, went virtual. Mm -hmm. I was no exception. And uh, when they reopened... Um, of doing illusions? Uh, I did. Actually, I did a show... Which, um, yes, okay. <laughs> mini illusion, illusionette, so to speak. <laughs> I, I was very fortunate to have been working with a studio in Vegas, mm -hmm. a broadcast studio for a long time. We did events together, we did various projects. Yeah. And when I started to talk with Joseph Tran, among others, he was, mm -hmm. uh, he was a great help in, in creating a, a virtual show. Um, I, I decided why not do, why not also focus on production value? So we, took the studio and we created uh, four different performance spaces in that studio. Mm -hmm. We set up different cameras. We also had a handheld hand, hand camera. And um, I had 
various pieces on one stage, other pieces in another area, and I was able to literally perform a few, like my the trisection, Larry White's trisection, which mm -hmm. I call the lesson in anatomy, a Jim Steimer's jail cell uh, escape or penetration. I performed some of that material, and I was very grateful and, and touched when after seeing my show, my virtual show, David Copperfield literally called me to compliment me mostly on the, he was blown away uh, by the production value. He said, this is the most professionally wow. produced virtual show I've ever seen. And I was so touched because yeah. first of all, David called me in person, which yeah. I, to me, you know, my, my little, little 19 year old <laughs> David Goldrake just, wow, David Copperfield's calling yeah. you. And and, but the compliment was just um, was fantastic. I was I was very touched by the fact that he appreciated the effort that we put in the production value. Besides the ma it's magic itself, well, he could pre appreciate that with his background in television. Oh and yeah, production yeah, and yeah. All of that. And, and and then we did you know we did the usual thing. I asked him, so what did you hate? And he's like, well, run me through the show, which. I adore that about David. He's so analytical about everything, his attention to detail. And so we started. I started with this. Yeah, well, I like this. I like that. Maybe, you know, this. And then we went from piece to piece. And, and there was one thing that he told me that was my least favorite. I'm like, why? And he said, because I think that this and this could be changed. And even the lay people at home at my place thought that. And I said, you know, that's been bothering me for a while. But honestly, I always felt it's okay. And I was so grateful for that. And that's another lesson for me. It took David Copperfield's words to motivate me, to nudge me, to push me, to change that thing in that piece. Even though you knew in the back of I your mind. I knew in the back of my mind, yeah. but I think I was just lazy, yeah. which is a, which is horrible, especially sure. at, at the level of, of performance that we're at. Sure. I'm like, no, you should not be lazy. Never stop too early. And normally I don't. But in that case, I was like, yeah, I don't perform that piece too often. So it's just, you know, okay. it's, it's a thing. It's fine. But no. David told me, and I, I called Bill Smith the following hour, said, Bill, we got to fix that prop. I brought it to Bill, and we fixed it. And to this day, I'm super, I sent David a picture right away when it was finished. I'm so grateful for that because it's, yeah, the, this, this exchange we had. And so, yeah, we went virtual first. Mm -hmm. And then Vegas kind of reopened. In, um, it was weird. We had a phase in 2020. 20 oh, in oh, October, right. September, where hmm. bars were allowed to be open to a certain extent. For locals, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, there wasn't a lot of... There was no tourism, yeah. yes, absolutely. So there was one small theater um, or a venue, it's because it's multiple theaters, called Notoriety. That, oh, downtown. Sure. Exactly, yeah. that had opened. So mm -hmm. I spoke to Ken. That's the, where Vinnie Grasso was. Exactly, yeah. and that's where I was. Okay. So um, I spoke to Ken starting September about working together because it was it was a great moment to be active actually mm -hmm. so um, we, we started talking and then the law changed again so he had to close mm -hmm. and uh, we opened in February 2021 uh, in the same theater that uh, Vinny is performing uh, still mm -hmm. now uh, or kind of because he's mostly on cruises yeah. but yeah um, so it was it was a, a great start I think and yet as you said we had so many limitations people had to be six feet apart they had to wear a mask they had to do this they had to do that so you have a 200 to 250 seat theater and there's only a 20 30 people actual capacity yeah 
But it was an opportunity to be active, to, to perform, to get your name out there again, to, to, to remain relevant to some exactly. extent. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, and then slowly changed to you know, full capacity, which was nice. Right. And yeah. And it, changed, and it's, it differs by theater. I noticed that yes. I, I, when I was there in June, I went to 20 shows. and that, You are brave. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only one that was super sensitive was Shin Lim's show. And I mentioned yes. about him wearing a mask afterwards. Correct. But even during the show, when volunteers were coming up, they were uh, pumping you know, uh, yes. some disinfectant in their Sanitizer, hands and yeah. giving everyone a mask when they came on stage. That's fantastic. And that's yeah. the only show that did that. I mean, yes. others had some audience participation, and they weren't uh, going to the extent. I mean, if people were wearing masks, that's fine, but they didn't hand them one as they were yes. coming on stage yes. the way that Shin's group yeah. did. You know, for a long time I kept wearing a mask. I had one of those transparent plexiglass I masks. I that too. And uh, yeah. so, you, so at least your mimic is it's visible. People good, see you. Yes, your yeah, participants. David McGee was the one who told me about that. Okay, and, cool, uh, cool. And I and I, I saw his show in uh, Fort Worth many years ago yes. uh, during COVID, and uh, and he was handling that that way, and I. I said, man, where'd you get those masks? And yeah, I ordered some of this. Yeah. That's why I started doing yeah. it too. Because your expression is so important. Absolutely. And if you're wearing a mask, I yeah. mean, they can't tell if you're smiling or not, even though that your eyes might yeah. express that. But on stage, it's, it's impossible. It is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I was very sensitive, but not to that point. There were moments where I even encouraged people. I said, if you don't want to come, if you're uncomfortable, mm. please stay where you are. And if I needed two more spectators, like I, I have the color, I performed the color rope tie. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I need two participants. And I would say, I would rather have people from the same group. So if there's a gentleman or a lady yes. or two gentlemen or two ladies from yes. the same group that feel comfortable you're being comfortable. on stage with me yes. together, please feel free to come up. That's and that's it. how I handled it initially. And, and mm -hmm. then, you know, things opened and yeah. common sense also kicked in at some point. So I was like, you know, you're responsible for yourselves. I'm responsible for myself. Sure. And let's handle it in an adult way. But I fully way. get that's it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, as we start to wrap up, what about in the future? What are your plans then for from here on? I mean, now that things are kind of back open, I guess, yes. Vegas is, is full swing and tourism is big and uh, yeah. things yeah. are happening. Like we said earlier, we are talking to some casinos. I may yeah. reopen a show in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very ambivalent about that as well. I love touring. I've always loved touring. Yeah. I've toured very extensively throughout my life and career. With, well, you have a tour bus or you have uh, truckloads of stuff? <laughs> At or? this point, it's mostly parlor magic. Okay. So I, I have my van, I have a trailer if necessary. Mm -hmm. So I have my whole show that goes with me. And I, I have I have an, a wonderful time. How about conventions? I with mean, that, you're here right now, of course. Yes. I mean, are you doing some big illusions uh, here then too? I'm going to do a few illusions here. Okay. Um, I'm honestly, I've, so I haven't done that many. I haven't done that many conventions in my entire life. Uh, okay. Do you like for it? For various reasons. So far? I actually do enjoy it, yes. So you wouldn't mind, I'm mentioning that because there are organizers who might be listening to this. Oh, that is true, yeah. <laughs> so um, pitch it, brother. That's, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm not that, my brain doesn't work like that, but yeah, thank you. Um, I do enjoy it. I, I'm surprised I'm actually enjoying it because I'm, I'm actually a loner. I'm not that very social. It's, you know, part of who I am and it's mm -hmm. not a negative thing in my opinion, but um, being around a lot of people makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of magicians are that way. Okay, okay. You're not unusual. So I, I do enjoy hanging out with, with my close friends. I have a few friends that are here and, and, and watching other people. Uh, I saw some talks this morning which were phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I would not say no to a convention, uh, depending on the conditions and everything. Because I know when I speak to organizers, they're constantly looking for illusionists. There are so okay. few traveling uh, illusionists. I, mean, I they know can why. Get <laughs> 
you can they can get all the close-up guys they want yes uh, and a lot of parlor guys uh i've been i get booked as an mc because there's not a lot of people who can do mc work like i do uh but likewise awesome. there are very few illusionists yeah. who, who yeah. will travel because they have the equipment they've got the setup they got the sound and light and usually assistant or two or dancers or somebody else so there's just a, a lot of time that and an effort it takes for an illusionist yes. to get to wherever they're going to go you absolutely know? absolutely so, uh, i mean obviously you appreciate that but you're willing to do that i guess from i wouldn't mind if it's okay. a nice convention if the right people are there absolutely yeah yes yeah. so that's something again that's a possibility to uh, to do who knows some who conventions knows then yes. as well and so again hopefully that uh, the thing will work out then with the casino i know for an example that speaking of david blaine he's going to be opening at the hilton i believe it's a resorts world resorts world yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. resorts world near, uh, he's, near but i i heard i i initially we all thought it was a longer engagement mm -hmm. and uh, as far as i understood it's a limited engagement so it's not a residency it's, it's the end, no a, i mean they call it a residency which is what you know headliners months, do like but it's going to be three days a week for two months i think it's going to be a total of eight or nine performances if at all mm -hmm. so that's um, that's what david's doing right now and it's i think it's starting at the end of september i'm pretty excited if i'm in town which i may not be because I, again I'll, I'll be in europe again for three months almost mm -hmm. so i hope to to be able to see him live yeah yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to that, too. I was just talking to uh, Mario last evening. Yes. Uh, and he's been opening for David. They've been friends for a long time. I did time. not know that. Yeah. Okay. Isn't Fantastic. that kind of a strange, surreal thing? I mean, David Blaine and yes. Mario the Mar Maker. Yeah. I mean, you think about children and adults. However, he said, I have a lot of kids who yeah. come to the show. And, and it works out perfectly. And they've helped each other. That's fantastic. Anyhow, so uh, he said, I, I said, are you going to be part of the show? He said, not at this point. He's going to uh -huh. ask me. And I said, is there anything that you can tell me? Or are you under an NDA you can't talk about? He said, I don't know, but if I did, I can't tell you. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, but he said, I know that what he's got planned is going to be exciting and new and of some course. different things. So yes. I, I think that's going to be good uh, if people get a chance in September to get it uh, out to, to see him. Well, I appreciate your time. Tell me then, as I close this, because the name of my podcast is called The Magic Word. What is your phrase? I mean, you're talking about passion and so many different things that are important in your life. What is your philosophy of life? What do you live by? Not a word. It could be, a, again, whatever is important. What do I live by? I would say kindness. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've heard the word love being said a lot of times around me. Uh, and I think for me it's kindness. It's, um, I, wow, this is, yeah, this is an, an, yeah, a very interesting question. I grew up in a very small country, uh, grew up multi multiculturally. And uh, I've observed through my travels and through my life experiences with different people, different cultures, that a lot of us, uh, and it's normal, it's not a negative thing, but a lot of us, we view the world, obviously, from our perspective. Mm -hmm. And with my through my interaction with people, I realized that it makes a lot of things complicated for everyone, especially during our global times. The world has opened. We're traveling so easily. And I go to China, I go to Africa, I go to wherever, and people there are different than I am. And then I hear people say, oh, they're crazy. No. We are crazy to them. Be aware of that too. So we're just different. And I think people, I think people, it would be nice if people took the time and made the effort to understand the person across just to see where are you coming from? How, how were you raised? What are your values? And how can we align our values? And even if you don't understand them or accept them, just go, they're just different. They're not crazy. Accept they're, them for what yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it's the same in the United States. I've, I've been fortunate the last months to, to see different states, to travel through different states and perform in different places. And even within one country, there are different cultures, different That's mentalities. True. And I'm sure. like, this is fascinating. But no one seems to be aware of it. You know, there's this, mm. there's this line that mm. I, I always laugh about. I'm assuming that. No, no, no. Don't assume. Ask me. Yeah. 
You know, uh, people go, you think that because you think like that, the person across from you thinks the same way, and it's not the case. Right. And, and, and I think kindness is part of that. Understanding each other is part of that. Um, I remember being in Shanghai with, with Juliana Chen a few years ago, and she was talking to the tech guys. And it was literally yelling for us. And that's the way they talk. Exactly. Okay. One of the performers was like, oh, no, no, they're fighting. I said, no, no, no. My mother's Portuguese. And I remember as a child when, when she and her family were talking, I was like, what are you guys fighting about? And she said, oh, no, we're just having a conversation. It's the temper <laughs> thing. You know, every culture has different traits. And I know we live in a time where we want to be inclusive and we should be. Mm-hmm. But there are cliches for a reason. Mm-hmm. Cultures have their traits that that actually are what they are, or mostly what they are, and we should acknowledge them, we should accept those, we should be aware of them. It doesn't mean that everybody's like that, but you know, just try to understand it. Understand and treat Understanding, people with kindness. Understanding, be kind. Yeah. yeah. Great philosophy. <laughs> Great way to live. Okay. <laughs> Good talk. Thank you very much, David. I Thank you so much, this. Scott. It was oh, a pleasure. man, this has been fantastic. So with the Magic Word Podcast, that was David Goldrake. This is Scotty out. Thank you, David, for your time. I appreciate your words and also your friendship and taking the time to sit and talk with us and to open your heart uh, and, and discuss some things that were not only heartfelt, but I know emotionally difficult at times then as well to recall some of those situations that, that happen in, in your life. But it sounds like things are moving in the right direction, and I look forward to seeing you somewhere on the big stage again soon. Well, I appreciate, again, everybody coming back and listening to this podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the pod letter, please do. That way, you are going to be able to be kept up to date as to who's going to be on from week to week and who's coming up next week. So next week, we are going to have an, another great uh, entertainer, someone I spoke with when I was at FISM in Quebec, in fact. So it's a friend of mine that has been kind of on the back burner for a while, and I'm I'm really anxious to release this coming episode. And that's going to be with somebody whose name is in the pod letter. So if you subscribe to the pod letter, go and check it out, see who's coming next week. If you don't, then go to themagicwordpodcast.com and subscribe to our pod letter. So until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember to be kind and try to understand other people's cultures. This is Scotty out. 